Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to 1 Thessalonians, we're going to be in chapter 2 again this evening. And um, I, I love this, this study. I love... Thessalonians, it is, um, it is a very good book of encouragement, as we've already seen. This is the title of this is Encourage You. And last week um, we saw uh, a couple of enc- words of encouragement, but they were in the forms of challenge. Uh, and I just want to recap that, if you, uh, if you don't mind. The first thing that we saw last week is we have to ensure that our actions clarify our motives. And if we have the right motives, we'll be committed, courageous, consistent, and will be caring. And again, we saw that in the, uh, the Apostle Paul and his missionary team. Um, he was, they were reiterating over and over and over that uh, they were there for the right reason. Uh, and that was proven by their actions. Again, seen, seen through those things there. And the number two was love's genuine expression is giving. Love's genuine expression is giving. And, and a quote that I shared last week, I'm going to share it again this week. Uh, very good. Tony Evans said, if it never costs you anything to, the, to follow... Jesus Christ is Lord, you're not following Jesus Christ as Lord. And, uh, you know, I asked the question last week, if, if God were to reveal what your love for him, what our love for him looks like, uh, what evidence would be presented by the things that we're giving, by the things that we're doing for him, uh, what would be presented? And I, and I believe that God, if, if we truly say, I love God, those things would be presented uh, in, in these forms, our time, our talent, and our treasure and uh, again, he's blessed us with those things anyways. And so when we say, I love God, uh, it's just an expression of that love to give that back to him uh, any time and every time that we can. And so uh, that was last week. Let's pray and we'll get into this week's. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us uh, to be here again. Lord, we thank you for the, the time of uh, worship through song. And we pray that you have been pleased and that you're glorified through all of it. And Lord, we are thankful that you are God. Uh, even on the mountaintop and, and in the valley and the storm uh, and in smooth waters. Lord, we thank you so much for being uh, so loving and so gracious. Lord, we thank you so much for being, um, Lord, just and holy and right. And we, we're just thankful for your word that gives us instruction, that gives us encouragement, uh, that convicts us, that instructs us. And um, again, we're just uh, asking tonight that you would do those things, Lord, that you would give to us what we need. You know every single one of us where we're at in our life and we're with our walk with you. And Lord, I just ask that you would move in our presence, that you would just simply use me as a vessel, uh, that you would accomplish what you want to accomplish tonight in each of our lives and in our lives together as a body. And uh, because of that, you'll be glorified. Again, we thank you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 is where we are picking up. And uh, he says... You are witnesses in God also how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Verse 11, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. And uh, once again, we see the apostle. It's just so interesting to me because the apostle Paul to us is like this superstar Christian. And, um, you know, his life, his testimony, his words, the letters that, that the Holy Spirit gave to him to write. We look back at the Apostle Paul and we think, man, 
Everybody should be, strive to be a Christian like the Apostle Paul. Um, and, and again, we know that Jesus Christ is our supreme example, but when we look to him, we say, what an amazing example of a Christian. Uh, not God in the flesh, but just an amazing example uh, of what a Christian is. Uh, but once again, we see the Apostle Paul defending uh, who they are and what they were doing there uh, because, again, that was always under uh, scrutiny, always sus uh, under suspicion of why they were doing what they were doing. And, again, he's telling these new believers uh, that their lives are to be testaments to their sincerity in following Jesus Christ. And, uh, again, it was brought into question here. Uh, Paul had dealt with it in many other places. Uh, but he's telling them here, uh, you need to make sure that your lives line up with your words, their sincerity. I don't know about you, but if, if you were always being accused of your sincerity, always being accused of that, it, it, would, it would seem in our human minds that it would be uh, discouraging, that you would eventually say, you know what, I, I give up. Uh, but the Apostle Paul didn't because he knew why he was doing what he was doing. And in these accusations, they were, they were being uh, accused of greed, doing things for money. Uh, they were being accused of doing things for selfish reasons, like to gain a following, to become famous and, and popular. Pride, many other motivations for, for, for which people uh, try to, uh, to, to do these things. But uh, it was very clear, clear that he was preaching the gospel. They were living their lives. They were doing those things, carrying out the Great Commission uh, in sincerity. Constantly defending his motives, constantly defending uh, their, their, their hearts. And I, I want to remind us again... When we say something with our mouths, and yet we don't live that out in our lives, that's when not only the credibility of our lives fall apart, but the credibility to what we say and who we claim to be following falls apart. And of course, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. See, if the Apostle Paul and his team hadn't had the commitment, if they hadn't had the faithfulness, the steadfastness to striving after Christ, to putting Christ as Lord of all, as putting him first, if they didn't have that, then the accusations that were thrown against them of not being sincere, the accusations of th thrown against them of doing things for greed, the accusations of doing things for selfishness or, or for, for fame, all those things would find a little bit of weight. Accusations that maybe being thrown at them like this, those people are hypocrites. Again, if, if their lives, their commitment, their steadfastness, their faithfulness, didn't line up with what they claimed, then when someone called them a hypocrite, it would have weight to it. It had credibility to that accusation. Another accusation that, accusation that could be thrown at them that would have weight if their actions didn't line up with that is that their gospel isn't true. Again, if Paul's trying to propagate this, this gospel that uh, saves, it's the only power that saves and their lives have been transformed, yet you look at their life and it didn't line up with what they were saying, then everybody that heard that gospel and saw them live their lives could say, that gospel isn't true. The gospel will be in question. Of course, the third thing would be that their Savior or their God isn't real. So when we, we, we think about the things that we say, uh, the things that we, we, we uh, proclaim to other people, and then we evaluate our lives, is my life being lived in sincerity? Uh, am I truly, from the bottom of my heart, trying to follow Jesus Christ? And in this course, stay faithful, stay committed to the Lord. That's so important in our world. That's so important to not only the lost, but it's important also to other Christians. Uh, 
It's so, so vital for us to understand that. I, I'm convinced that one of the greatest hindrances to people getting saved and following Christ today is Christians themselves. I was talking to a couple people uh, recently, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a doctrine concerning the church today, and you've heard me talk about this before, the church growth movement, I believe, was a real big catalyst in uh, getting this idea and this thought uh, permeated inside of the church. And it, the church growth movement basically was, was originated uh, to get people into the church. Uh, it, it started primarily in California. There were other places that it started. Uh, but essentially it was, you know, pastors going around and finding out in their communities what it would take for people to show up to church, to come to church. And uh, people said all kinds of different things. And so churches started doing what it would take to get people who were not in church to go to church. Um, and so churches were filled and began to, 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 to explode with all kinds of people showing up for church uh, because it was what pleased them. Uh, whether they were lost or saved, it didn't matter. Just getting people in the seats. And uh, so this great movement happens across. And in this, there was a pendulum that had swung uh, previously to the legalistic side of things in the church. And so uh, you had this great kickback as the pendulum swings back to the other side, ultra-liberal. And so then you have all of these things coming across people's uh, thought processes, across their decision-making uh, processes, all, all these things. And, and of course, these are professing Christians, churchgoers, and maybe Christians alike. And it was things like this. We are the church. The church is not a building. And, and, and I would disagree with that. Uh, I, I would say that the church is not a physical building because the scripture says that we are a building of God. We're a spiritual building. Um, but so much damage was done through this process to the effectiveness of the testimony of real Christians. Uh, and, and the reason why is because being a part of a local body, being a part of a church, serving in that local body, investing, showing our love and sincerity with God uh, by the gifts, the giving that we give in our time, talent, and treasure, all those things went to the side, and it was basically just about whatever you wanted to do, whenever you wanted to do it, however you wanted to do it. I mean, that's between you and God, and that's it. And so again, we see today a very big dent in the testimony of the church, in the testimony of Christians. And, um, and so when we consider, man, why, why aren't people getting saved by the hundreds and the thousands? And uh, especially in a church, uh, you know, churches around uh, the, the country like ours that are giving the gospel out every, every opportunity they can. And if you're like me and you, you knock doors and you, and you talk to people, uh, a lot of times the reason why people don't go to church is because of the people in the church. And we know that we're not perfect. We know that we fall short, uh, that we, we miss the mark. Uh, but I'm talking about as a way of life, as a way of living. When people think, well, I know my neighbor goes to church, but I know how they live all the time. <laughs> I had that conversation with somebody even this, this past week. And um, I shared that with y'all, uh, the young man that came to, the, came to my door. And uh, he was talking about how he had religious family members. And he said, that's, you know, honestly why I'm not interested, you know. Um, that's the summary of, of what our conversation was. Um, but that's, I'm convinced the greatest hindrance to people getting saved is, is, is Christians themselves. 
who, as Jesus said to the religious Jews of his day, he said this, you hypocrites in Matthew chapter 15, well did Isaiah uh, prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And as I recently preached, we can often see the self-absorbed mindset, the self-righteous mindset that really doesn't care about God, that really doesn't care about the things of God. It's very prevalent today. Uh, and and I, I don't think that it, the God and the things of God, as I said a while ago, can't be separated. Um, this is something you've heard me say before. I was talking to someone to, uh, about that today again, and, and that's so important. You can't separate God and his stuff, right? You, you can't do that. You can't separate God and the things of God. What are the things of God? Well, first of all, the body of Christ, the church. You can't separate that. You can't separate his word. You can't separate worship, both private and corporate worship. All those things in the Bible, you can't separate those things. You can't separate God from his commandments and his commission. All of those things have to do with God, and they, they, they can't be separated. So this is not just revealed uh, in, in, in the lack of care of those things, but it's also revealed in this attitude. What's the attitude? Again, I said it last, last week. You care about you, and I'll care about me. You worry about you, and I'll worry about me. And in, in, in some regards, that's true. That's, I mean, when, and, and the reason why I say that's uh, true in some regards, because being a busybody and other people's affairs, in other words, uh, well, I, I want to know what they're doing all the time. I, 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 I want to be involved in, in, I, I, because I care. No, no, no. You, you want gossip. <laughs> you want information. Uh, that, that busybody mindset is not what it's talking about. Um, because that right there is a sinful, uh, my, uh, sinful heart set. But this idea of you do what you do and I'll do what I do is also very secular. It's very selfish, very sinful. It's not biblical. And while busybodying is not pleasing to God, neither is a complete disregard of how our lives are being lived in the body of Christ. Our actions, our attitudes, our speech, again, they speak to others, both non-believers and believers alike. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In other words, we have to, we're, we're not busybodies in other people's lives. We're not, we're not meddling in their affairs and, and, and telling them how, how to live their lives, but we are concerned about our fellow, fellow brothers and sisters. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, without redeeming the time, or living wisely among those that don't believe, and make most of every opportunity. In verse 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer, or how you ought to answer every man. And so point number one is this. Strive to live a blameless life for Christ. Paul was talking about what he was, they were striving to do. He was charging the, the Thessalonian believers to do the same. And so every single one of us who is a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, should be striving to do the same exact thing. Because when you're striving for something, when you trip and fall along the way, you get up and you continue striving after that. Uh, it's just like, you know, I showed that video that one time of that Olympic uh, runner, right? He fell down, right? And, and, and he scraped himself and he was hurt uh, because his hamstring popped, right? Um, and so his dad gets, gets up and runs on the track and tries to help him across the finish line. But if you saw the, the young man in the race, he, he didn't want help at first. Why? Why was that, why was that his mindset? I mean, his hamstring was, was shredded. 
Why was that his mindset? Because he was striving for a goal. And so when you and I in our Christian lives are striving to live a blameless life for Christ, whenever those injuries, those hurts, those, 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 those trips, those falls happen in our life, we get back up and we strive after Christ. We should be striving to not bring reproach or blame to his name, to his kingdom, to his body. And I'm, I'm not talking about legalism. It's not about legalism. It's absolutely about love. It's, it's about having the love of God in us so that God and others matter. It's about having the Spirit of God in us so that sincerity comes through in everything we say and everything that we do. And again, remember those things about sincerity, those things that show our right motives, th that show that, that we're doing what we're doing for the right reason. What are, the, what are those things that show that? We'll be committed. We'll have, we'll have courage. We'll be consistent. And we'll be caring. When those things are evident in everything that we say and do, uh, again, it shows that we have the right motive. Paul essentially told them, look, remember how we lived among you. Remember what we were doing. We didn't ask anything of you, and, and we weren't striving to do anything of ourselves. Again, with, with the, the part of the accusation that Paul and his team were facing, one of the things was that they were just wanting money. They were just doing what they were doing for money and stuff from others. And Paul clarified that, that they didn't ask or want anything like that when they were there. And not only that, that what they did do was back in verse 11, what he, look what he says, exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that he would walk worthy of God who has called you into his kingdom and God. And again, I'll say tonight, I'm by far no Paul, but, but I understand what he's saying. That's why I'm, I'm constantly compelled to not only uh, be with you all. I, I, love, I love coming to uh, worship together as a body. I love that. I love you guys. I, I love doing that. But I also love keeping God's word before us to exhort us all, to charge every single one of us as a corporate body to walk, live in a way, in a manner that's worthy of God, that's called us into his kingdom. Not this world's kingdom, not a kingdom that we've made for ourselves, but to his kingdom. So my desire, as I believe it was Paul and, and all, all, all Christians that he wrote to, is that we desire God and the things of God. And that those things would be the most important. Those things would be priority in our life. And so I, I think that we, we have to remember also in this that he's writing to this local church in Thessalonica for them to carry that out in this context. So we can't separate our, our living in a way that is worthy of God. We can't separate that from the local church. It's impossible because the church is his body. It's his family. Yes, every single one of us has our individual walk. Every single day, hopefully, you get up. At some point in your day, you talk to the Lord. At some point in your day, you seek to listen to him both in prayer and through his word. That's individually. But, and not only that, in the spheres of influence that we have in our home, 
and at our job or in our recreation or whatever, but all, all of it is in the context of the local church and the worldwide body of Christ. All of it is. So as he's writing this to them, for instance, uh, Paul wouldn't have felt any different towards the Philippian believers as he did for the Thessalonian believers. And he, and he wouldn't have been interested in them living any other way. And he didn't. But they were to carry out those things in Philippi in the context of the local body there at Philippi and the same way the Thessalonians were to carry out uh, these things in that context as well. And so when we look back in our, in our text and look in verse 13, we understand when Paul says this, that's how he's coming to them. So he says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. Again, Paul wasn't trying to make it about themselves. There were people that were uh, accusing them. There were people that were trying to defame them, people that were trying to stone them, imprison them, uh, kill them. Uh, and Paul was simply reminding these Thessalonian believers, you should be striving to live a life that's honoring to the Lord. You should be striving every day to not bring any shame upon the Lord and his body. Because we're giving you the word of God, he says. We gave you and, 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 and we commend you that, that when we gave you God's word, you didn't just take it as, well, that's what the, that Paul is saying. That, oh, that's what Apollos is saying. That's what, that's what those guys are saying. He said, you didn't receive it as, as the words of man. You received it as what it was, God's word. It was truth. And so he commended them for receiving the word of God like that. And so point number two tonight is this. Strive to receive God's word as truth and allow it to effectively work in you. You know, there, there's no doubt uh, there's times that, um, you know, we, we hear a message and we leave that, leave that worship service, and that's the last time that we think about that message. I've also heard of, of people that, that maybe on a Sunday morning they leave that, that worship service and they go to lunch and they make it a deliberate effort to discuss the message over the lunch table so that it continues to resonate. What we as a body heard from God's word. The same thing. That's why we have daily devotions. That's why we stay in God's word. That's why we're constantly kept in rem remembrance of the things that God has said, just as Peter said to those, those readers that he wrote to. I'm constantly stirring you. I'm going to constantly bring you into remembrance of the things of God. Because the Thessalonians made a choice. The Thessalonians made a very deliberate choice, and Paul saw this and again commended them for this. The choice was this. They heard God's word, and they took it as truth, as from God. And they allowed it to effectively work in their life. They, they allowed it to do something in their life. It's a choice. How you receive God's word is a choice. Paul's declaration that they thank God endlessly because the Thessalonian believers chose to receive 
their preaching and their teaching as truth, the Word of God, it revealed a couple of things. It revealed a couple of things about the Thessalonians. It revealed, first of all, their submission to God, but it also revealed his, their submission to God's order in placing the men over them to teach the Word of God in the church and through the church. So the Thessalonians were saying, you know what? We acknowledge God and His stuff. We acknowledge God, His church, God, His order, God, the people that He puts in place. We acknowledge those things and we submit to those things. And too often today, pride gets in the way. Too often, pride gets in the way. And people don't want to follow the, their Sunday school teacher's direction. People don't want to follow their, their, their pastors, their preacher's leadership. And, and when that happens, they dumb down the, the order and the, the, the will of God and argue that it's a man, matter of opinion between them and their Sunday school teacher. A matter of opinion between them and the preacher. I know that's what Brother Cobb believes, or I know that's what Brother Ricky believes, or I know that's what Brother So-and-so believes, but that's just their opinion. Not if it's the Word of God. And again, that's what Paul was telling the Thessalonian believers. You, you've received God's Word as what it was. You received it as truth. And, and you allowed it to effectively work in you. You realized that we were simply instruments that were bringing the Word of God to you, and you submitted to that. And so you submitted ultimately to God. And I will say this tonight. If the Word of God is being taught. It's, if it's in this pulpit being taught, if it's in, behind a podium in some Sunday school class, if the Word of God is being taught, there is no matter of opinion there. There's no matter of opinion there. It is God's Word. It is truth. And so again, we, we then have to evaluate it's, it's the issue of the heart. If the heart is being submitted to God, it's going to receive the Word of God. And if the heart is submitted to God, receiving the word of God, then it has the ability to have the effect in our lives that God wants it to have. And again, that's what Paul was saying to these Thessalonians. You, you, allow, you made a choice to submit to God, to submit to his ways. And when, so when the word of God was taught, when the word of God was preached to you, you received it. And then you not only received it, but you let it do what it was supposed to do in your life. And to me, it's amazing that Paul faced some of the same issues that many pastors face today, many churches look at today. Essentially, a, a battle of the church. Choosing to follow him and the teachings of Christ or rejecting them. The Thessalonians were a blessing to Paul and his missionary team because they chose to receive and follow. They chose to receive the word of God and follow the direction of, of those leaders there. And elsewhere in scripture, we're, it's clear on these things as well. In James chapter one, verse 19, it says, wherefore my beloved brethren, again, talking to Christians, he says, let every man be swift to hear, be ready to hear, be, 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 to hear, be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. He says, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, so lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Listen to what he says. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. With, with humility and submission to God. Receive the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And then he goes on and says this. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like a man beholding his face and his natural face in a glass. 
For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgiveth what manner of man he was. I've said this before, I've shared this illustration before, but for years I, I've used this illustration um, because it's, it's gross. And so it, it, it'll get your, get your attention. Um, it's like getting up in the morning and having like a, a booger on your face, right? And you go to the mirror and you see this stuff smeared across your face. Or maybe it's, you know, saliva all plastered over here on the side. And you look in the mirror and you see there's obviously something on your face. There's obviously something wrong with this picture. Remember we talked about that's the reason why we have uh, mirrors is, is that self-assurance, that self-comfort that we're looking for. Um, but it's like looking at that, seeing there's a problem in the mirror, and then saying, I'm just going to go about my business. Turning and walking and just going away versus like wiping your nose, blowing your nose, getting a wash rag, washing your face, whatever. I mean, versus seeing that there's a problem and then changing that problem and then going about your business. And so that's the illustration that he says. Listen, he says, a person that hears the word of God but doesn't do it is like a person that looks in, in, in a mirror at his natural face. And he sees there's something wrong. But he goes away from that situation not remembering that he needed to fix the situation. <laughs> and he goes, about his, he goes about his day. But look at verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, listen to these words, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So again, we were talking about a while ago about commitment, about striving to, to live a life that's pleasing for the Lord, just like that runner uh, who, who snapped his hamstring, got back up and continued in that race toward the finish line because that's what he was striving for. Uh, in our lives, as we're seeking to please God, as we're seeking to do His will and receive the engrafted Word in our life, and we, we look into the Word of God every day and we look at it together as a body and we see these things and we say, you know what? I need to change this. And as we're running along this race that we're living in this life, and we stumble, we fall, we mess up, we get back up because we continue in the perfect law of liberty. We continue to look in it, and it continues to show us what we need to change and what we need, what we need to let it affect us in our life and, and the direction that we need to continue to go or the direction we need to get back to. So again, it's very clear in Scripture that this is what God's will is. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, it says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. He says, listen, if this person is teaching and preaching you the word of God, then consider their end. The Bible says this in, in, in James, be not many masters, for you shall receive a greater condemnation. In other words, there don't need to be a lot of people that seek to be a teacher or a preacher of the word of God. Now, it's a good thing, the Bible says, to desire the office of a bishop, but he says, look, there doesn't need to be a whole lot of people doing that because there's a stricter judgment that's awaiting those who do. And so that's why I will continue to preach the Word of God. That's why, because I know when I stand before Him one day, I, I want to please Him. And I want to be able to say, look, I tried to preach the Word of God. I tried to teach the Word of God. I was striving. I don't want Him to say, what were, what were you doing? Why were you teaching all those opinions? Why were you teaching all those doctrines of man? Why were, why were you doing that? I gave you a job to preach and teach the Word of God, my Word. And so the writer of Hebrews says, follow those directions as they preach the word of God. In verse 17, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, 
because they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account for, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, because that's not profitable for you. As we get ready to close, the amazing thing about this is these Thessalonian believers, they received the word of God, they, they allowed it to have effect in their life, they, they followed the leaders that, that, that were in place that were teaching and preaching the word of God, they did those things in the midst of great persecution. Did you get that? They, they did these things in the midst of great persecution. It wasn't easy, easy for the Thessalonian believers to hear the word of God, to receive it, and to allow it to have effect in their life, and to continue, continue to follow that direction that Paul and the, the, the apostolic team that was with him gave to them. It wasn't easy for them. It was through much difficulty. Look at verse 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God in Judea, uh, which are in Judea, are in uh, Christ Jesus, for you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So we know what happened in, in, in Acts, Acts chapter 8, we saw that last week, that there, great, there was great persecution in Jerusalem as the first church was exploding. What happened? They scattered. They went everywhere, except for the apostles which stayed in Jerusalem. Who was persecuting the believers in Jesus Christ there in Jerusalem? The Jews. And he was saying, you Thessalonians did this in the middle of great persecution of your own countrymen. It's those people that you were going to the market with before and, and talking with and, and, and going to uh, false worship with, you were living life with, the, the, the people that your, your own countrymen, those people in Thessalonica, they are the ones that are persecuting you just like those believers in Jerusalem were being persecuted by the Jews. And they go on, and he goes on and says, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. Paul talking about him and the missionary team. Look what he says. And they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath of God has come upon them to the uttermost. So look, the Jews persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. Not only that, they are the ones that crucified Christ. They are the ones that have tried to silence us and persecute us. You guys, you guys are doing it in the midst of your family and your friends, your own countrymen. You heard the word of God, you received it, and it had effect in your life. And you did it in the midst of great persecution. And so the question that I have tonight is, how do we do it? How do we not do it in the midst of unprecedented freedom? How do we receive the word of God? How do we allow it to have effect in our life when there is no persecution that we have to face? When there's nothing we have to worry about? Whether, whether it's the countrymen around us, we're not worried about them killing us or imprisoning us or, or stoning us or running us out of town. How do we receive the word of God and how do we follow it? He said, look, you became followers of the churches of God in Judea. You guys followed that pattern that was set before you. The, that God, the things of God, worth both living for and worth dying for. And so tonight, as, uh, we're not having a musicians. 
Let's see. Uh, I, I want to encourage you with this. Let's make sure that in the midst of unprecedented freedom, while we have the opportunity that we receive the word of God, we allow it to have the effect that it's supposed to. And as the people who teach and preach the word of God in our lives continue to do that, that we would faithfully follow that, that preaching, faithfully receive and follow that teaching, that preaching, because that glorifies the Lord. How about you tonight? Is this what, is this what your life looks like? Are you, are you striving to receive God's word as truth, and are you allowing it to have the effect? And as point number one was this, are you striving to live a blameless life for Christ? Striving for it. When that hamstring pops, are you going to get back up and keep striving to live that blameless life for Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you for allowing us to, to open it tonight. Thank you for allowing us to hear this message. Another example, uh, both from the Apostle Paul and the Thessalonian believers, God. We thank you that uh, we have this before us. And see our brothers and sisters thousands of years ago who, who went through great persecution uh, to continue the path that you prescribed. And Lord, today is we're here in 2017 and we're so free. Um, and it's so easy to hear the word of God, to, to read your word. It seems like it, it, it may be harder in that freedom to receive it and, and to allow it to have effect in our life. So tonight, I just pray that you would move in our midst, Lord, that you would uh, help us to see these points. Uh, that we would strive to live a blameless life for you. God, that we would strive to, to hear your word, to receive your word, and allow it to have effect in our life. That we wouldn't just come to church services and, and hear what somebody has to say or read the scriptures and walk away, but we would allow it to affect us, Lord. That daily we would open your word and we would seek your face. And as we look to you, we would listen to your spirit's instruction in our private devotion. And God, we would receive your word and we would allow it to have effect even in our personal walks with you. Lord, help us see the importance of these things tonight and help us respond rightly. We'll praise you for what you do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.